0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Life Science Rush Hour with Matt Corcoran. I hope everyone's having a great start to September. Um, It's been a little while since I've last done a podcast, so I apologize. Um, But I'm excited to be back talking to everyone, um, let you know what I've been up to, um, and maybe a little bit of what we can talk about in the future. So last week I was in Boston for, I believe, the second or third annual Boston Biotech Week. Um, A really good event. There was a ton of events up there. Um, I got to as many as I could um, and and, and learned a lot, met a lot of great people. Um, So why am I going to talk about that? Well, obviously a lot of established companies were up there, but my kind of focus was the the mid-cap and startups um, that I wanted to really spend some time with and learn more about what they're going through, the struggles they have, the challenges, and, you know, and how maybe we can add, I can add some value to make their life a little easier so they can concentrate on the science and, um, just as importantly, uh, raising, raising funds. Um, so they have enough money to go out and and execute on their, on their plans and develop their product. So, uh, On Thursday, I spent all day at the Resi conference, which is essentially the venue for uh, private companies to um, get in front of investors. There's a a dedicated um, partnering. Uh, They must have had 40 tables there where um, companies that are on the verge of maybe going commercial or going to a phase two trial or... Um, phase three, or maybe even phase one, but there's been some validation of the science. Um, we're able to meet with with investors. They also had an interesting wrinkle at this event um, that they haven't had before, this is where they had even earlier stages, earlier stage companies um, that are really trying to create proof of concept um, more on the ver- on the avenues of looking for seed or angel investors. Um, so a, a good mix of of companies. Um, and of course, why they're there is the biggest issue that most of these companies this size have is hey, we need more money. Um, so that's what they're all trying to do raise money. Ironically, where my booth was, um, I was sitting in between two companies um, that had or were about to close um, a funding round. So they registered for this event some time ago, and in the meantime, had um, secured funding. So great for them. But as we all know, even in, even when you have funding, it's so important to think about your next round of funding, um, because it's always good to have those investors lined up. You don't want to wait, um, because then you don't necessarily have the leverage. So what do I tell these companies? I mean, I'm an insurance guy. How can I help them? Well, first of all, I don't want to get in their way. They're there to, to to raise money, not talk about insurance. But what can we do from an insurance from an insurance perspective to help put them in a better position to secure funding? A recurring theme, um, especially on the device side, is that all these companies have patents, um, and investors want to know the 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 scope of the patent. Um, you know. How strong is the patent? And one thing I, I, I talk about a lot with these companies is is insuring the patents. Um, you know, you can have the best law firms, you can have free and operate, you can have pretty much done everything the right way, but that does not mean that you know some third party can not say, "Hey, you infringed upon my patent," or you or going the other way, another company tries to infringe on your patent. What the patent insurance does. It helps for, it helps provide those legal expenses to protect yourselves, so you have the 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 financial resources to 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 defend yourself. Um, and to be able to go and say to an investor and says, We have these patents, we have this, but we also have it insured. So if we're infringed upon your money won't be going to protecting this patent, that's going to go to the insurance company. So it helps differentiate these companies a little bit and gives them you know a little bit more something to say, Um, when they're talking to investors. So that resonates very well. The other thing that we obviously talk about when it comes to investors is D&O insurance. Um, I'm not gonna talk really too much about that, but it is so important to have the D&O insurance. Um, If you don't have investors, you'll wanna start thinking about D&O insurance as you're kind of onboarding them because they're gonna want it. D&O insurance protects the personal assets of directors and officers. That includes you as an owner if you're sued, um, assuming you're a director, sir, director or officer of the company. So again, that's more mainstream. Every broker is gonna to talk to you about. Um, and finally, the other thing I, I always stress with these companies is being proactive. Um, I know insurance isn't something people wanna really think about or deal with, um, but it's so important to, to talk to your broker beforehand before you sign contracts, and a great example is, I was talking to a prospect. They asked, you know, they, they, they were talking about products liability. They're about to go into the clinic. Um, uh, no revenue, uh, phase one, low ha- What I call, you know, a, a pretty um, low hazard product from an insurance standpoint. One of their sites required them to carry a ten million dollar clinical trial liability. Fifteen patients. Um, and they signed it before they talked to their – I assume before they talked to their broker. I mean $10 million is a huge limit, especially for the study and the patient count they were doing. And I understand why they did it. You need time is money, and, and money is, is time. So it's you have to move fast. Um, but something like that is so quick and so easy for most brokers who deal in life science say, hey, hey, time out, time out. 10 million is way too much. Go back to them, negotiate it out. Um, I even, me personally, I even get on the phone sometimes, um, you know, with my client and the site, you know, insurance person or risk manager to explain, hey, this is the study, 10 million seems a little much. We can show benchmarking that that, that refutes that. And usually the, the, the sites understand it and get it. Um, but the sites from from their angle they want to get as much protection as they possibly can so they're going to ask for the the moon and you know see what sticks so a lot of times insurance is bought reactionary for these early stage companies and for certain coverages like general liability that's fine but once we get into the clinical trials and dno and um, patents if you're going to go down that line it's so important to, to 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 be proactive versus reactionary because when you, when you do things in a hurry and you don't run those by brokers, you could end up spending a lot more on insurance than you should or even need to. So those are my two cents. Um, I got a lot more out of Boston biotech week that I will, I'm sure touch on in in future uh, podcasts, but I want to thank everyone for listening um, to this episode and past episodes. Your feedback is always welcomed and appreciated. Good, bad, indifferent. Love to hear from you. You can reach me um, via email, Matt M A T T at mattcork.com, M-A-T-T-C-O-R-C.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, mxc390, my blog, mattcork.com Um, any way you prefer, love to hear from you. And um, You know, I post these on Facebook page and Twitter. Feel free to comment there as well. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks and have a wonderful day.